And this morning, our scriptures, uh, the scripture comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew, chapters 15 and 16. Uh, el texto es de Mateo 15 y 16. Matthew 15 and 16. Now, I want to explain. On the screen, you'll find some page numbers that'll help you to find the, the scripture if you're using the Bibles from the back. It's the first uh, book of the Bible in the New Testament. Es el primer libro de la Biblia en el Nuevo Testamento y la página indica donde está si usan las Biblias de atrás. But back in the spring, you may recall, we started this study of looking at the different story that God is writing through the gospel of Matthew, the different story that we have in Jesus. Comenzamos la primavera en una serie sobre la historia diferente de Dios en Jesús, en Mateo. And we're picking that up now here in the fall. I said we would. Here we are. It's late summer, early fall. And so we're going to pick up the second half of the gospel of Matthew And the challenge is we're doing this two chapters at a time. Estamos mirando la segunda mitad de Mateo dos capítulos cada vez. Es, es un gran desafío. So we're covering a lot of material, but I believe that there's something good about stepping back and looking at a lot of Scripture and getting the message. Hay algo bueno de dar un paso atrás y ver el mensaje de las Escrituras. So what I'm asking you to do today is a little bit different. I'm going to read selected verses from these two chapters, and I want you to have your finger at the ready, and look at, the, look at the, the, the chunks of Scripture as we go. Espero que puedan ver las secciones de la palabra, y yo voy a estar leyendo versículos seleccionados uh, en la trayectoria. So, whenever my wife and I uh, have people over to our home, whether that's for uh, dinner, or maybe for dessert, or coffee, or just to stop by and you know, be with us for a little while, um, you know, I get a little nervous, and there's a lot that goes in my mind, a lot that I have in mind uh, as we invite people over. Cuando invitamos a las personas a comer o para un postre, tengo mucho en la mente. I mean, maybe you're this way too. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about, oh boy, got to get the house cleaned. Tengo que limpiar la casa. And, of course, we got to be able to serve them something, so I need to probably, you know, get by the store and buy something. What am I going to buy? Estoy pensando en qué comprar. And, of course, I'm thinking about, I have in mind, who to invite to the house. Estoy pensando en a quién invitar a la casa. And so it can kind of get overwhelming for me. I tend to be more on the Martha side of things than the Mary side of things. If you look at Luke 10, you'll find out what that's all about. I get stressed about it. I've got, I'm overwhelmed. But I can tell you that whenever we have people over, there is one thing that I do not have in mind. Hay una cosa que no tengo en la mente. And what I do not have in mind is who not to invite. No pienso en a quien no invitar. In other words, I'm not sitting there mentally going through a list of all the people in my life finding reasons to not invite them. Okay, that's a little bit strange. No pienso en las razones por las cuales no quiero invitar a la gente. I mean, I don't, I don't go through that list and say, nah, he talks too much. Uh, she complains a lot. That person, uh, they don't dress right. You know? no, no pienso así, que ella se queja mucho, él habla demasiado. I, I just don't think that way. That would be strange, not to mention a little bit mean. Sería cruel, sería un poco raro. And I'm guessing the same is true for you. For you. When you invite someone to your home, you're excited. What you have in mind is who to include, right? 
You don't have in mind who to exclude, at least most of the time. No tenemos en mente a quien excluir, sino a quien incluir. And that's the way it should be. Así debe ser. We, we invite the people we most have in mind. Invitamos a las personas que tenemos presentes en la mente. Now I'm telling you this because as we get into Matthew chapter 15, we find here a group of people that literally were doing the opposite. Vemos en Mateo 15 un grupo que hacía lo opuesto. They were the Pharisees and they were the teachers of the law. Los fariseos y los maestros de la ley. And they were literally on the hunt looking not for who to include at God's table. They were looking for who to exclude from God's table. Estaban buscando a quien excluir de la mesa de Dios. And so they come to Jesus here in Matthew chapter 15 and they come with this question. Llegan a Jesús con la pregunta. Why? Do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. ¿Por qué quebrantan tus discípulos la tradición de los ancianos? Comen sin cumplir primero el rito de lavarse las manos. That's evident from what they say here that what the Pharisees have in mind is to put Jesus' disciples on the uninvited list. When it comes to having people at their table. Quieren poner a los discípulos en la lista de no invitados. Why? ¿Por qué? Because they break the tradition of the elders. Quebrantan la tradición de los ancianos. And that tradition specifically was the tradition of washing hands. Now this is a religious washing of hands. It wasn't a hygiene thing. Se trataba de lavarse las manos como un rito religioso, no de higiene. And it was a custom that they had. A tradition, as it says here. Era una tradición. Now that word tradition simply means something handed down. Or something passed on from generation to generation. Una tradición es algo transmitido de una generación a otra. And so the Pharisees and the religious leaders were following a custom that had been handed down or passed on to them by their Religious ancestors. Seguir una costumbre transmitida de sus antepasados religiosos. Now, the question comes, where in the world did that tradition come from? ¿De dónde surgió la tradición? And Bible scholars aren't sure, but one guess is that it could have started based on Exodus chapter 30 in the Bible. Puede ser a raíz de Exodus 30. There in Exodus 30 we read how the priests were supposed to wash their hands and other body parts before they entered the house of God. Los sacerdotes debían lavarse las manos antes de entrar en el tabernáculo, la casa de Dios. In other words, before they went into the tabernacle and later on the temple, they had to wash their hands. And somehow, perhaps, this command of God for the priests to wash their hands began to be applied to other people. Empezaban a aplicar este mandamiento a otros. And so, after a while, it wasn't just the priests who were supposed to wash their hands when going into God's house, but other people were supposed to wash their hands. Not just when they went into the house of God, but when they went into any house to eat. And often that's what happens with traditions. De alguna forma, eh, eh, la gente ordinaria tenía que lavarse las manos al entrar en cualquier casa. Often traditions start at a good place. They start for a good reason even perhaps. 
comienza la tradición es en un buen punto, but over time, they kind of get passed on and they drift further and further and further away from the original point until it comes a point where you're just doing it and nobody even knows why. Viene a ser una costumbre que todos hacen sin saber por qué. So here in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus confronts this problem and in doing so, he lifts up a theme that I think runs all the way through chapters 15 and 16. Jesús enfrenta el problema con un tema de capítulo 15 y 16. Verse 3, versículo 3. First of all, the Pharisees said, Why do your disciples break the tradition? ¿Por qué tus discípulos quebrantan la tradición? And Jesus replies, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? ¿Por qué ustedes quebrantan el mandamiento de Dios a causa de la tradición? See, here's the problem. Somehow, an act that was meant to qualify the priests for going into God's house over time became an act that was meant to disqualify people from coming to God's table and for, to any table for that matter. Un acto para calificar a los sacerdotes es un acto para descalificar a las personas de la mesa de Dios. And Jesus says, here's the problem. You are putting the word and the will and the ways of human beings above the word, the will, and the ways of God. Ponen encima las, la palabra y la, la voluntad humana sobre la palabra y la voluntad de Dios. Verse 4. In fact, he says here, look at this. God's word says, God says, honor your father, your mother. Dios dice, honra tu padre, tu madre. And whoever curses father or mother should be put to death. El que maldiga a sus padres debe morir. That's what God says. Eso es lo que dice Dios. But you say something different. Ustedes dicen algo diferente. Now that command, honor, father and mother, was not only meant to be about respecting our parents, but about caring financially for our parents in old age, providing financially for uh, older people. Se trataba este mandamiento solo, no solo de respeto, sino de cuidar de los papás en su vejez. Jesus says, you say something different. You say that if the money you would have used to care for your aging parents, you take that and devote to God, probably give to the temple, then you don't have to bless your parents anymore. Ustedes dicen que el, si el dinero que hubieras usado para cuidar a sus papás lo usas para donar a Dios, no tienes que cuidar a sus papás. And so what you actually do is you provide an opportunity for people to curse their parents. To do the complete opposite of what God says. Les das oportunidad para maldecir a sus papás lo opuesto de lo que dice la palabra de Dios. Verse 6, thus you nullify, you make empty the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Por causa de la tradición, anulan ustedes la palabra de Dios. Here's the problem. Jesus is quoting Isaiah here in verse 9. He says, here's the problem with the Pharisees. Their teachings are but rules taught by men, by human beings. Sus enseñanzas no son más que reglas humanas. 
And then verse 11, Jesus goes on to say, here's the real issue. Aquí el punto. It's not what goes into a person that's going to disqualify you from being at God's table. No es lo que entra en una persona que lo descalifique. It's, it's not whether unclean food comes in you or whether you touch food with unclean hands and make it unclean and then it goes in you. No es la comida impura que, que te haga impuro. That's not what makes you impure. It's not what goes in. It's what goes out. Lo que sale. Verse 19. Versículo 19. For out of the heart, out of the mind, come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, porque del corazón salen malos pensamientos, los homicidios, los adulterios, la inmoralidad sexual, los robos, los falsos testimonios, y las calumnias. See, it's the human will and ways and words and thoughts that come from us that make us impure, not what goes in. Son las palabras humanas adentro que nos hacen impuros. In other words, Adam and Eve sinned long before they ate the forbidden fruit. It wasn't the forbidden fruit in itself that went in them that, that, that causes. No, it was the evil thought before that. I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do God's way. I'm going to have it my way. Antes que el fruto prohibido entrara Adán y Eva, salió el pensamiento de hacer las cosas a su manera y no a la de Dios. So what comes from us is often sinful. What God has in mind is better. What God has in mind is always greater. Lo que Dios tiene en mente siempre mejor y más grande. And if we move on into the next scene, we find that the case as Jesus comes into contact with this Canaanite woman who comes to him looking for help. Hay una mujer cananita que viene a Jesús buscando ayuda. Her daughter is plagued by a demon. Está endemoniada su hija. And she's coming to Jesus saying, help me out, please, ayúdame. And Jesus responds, by saying really what the disciples and what probably all of the Jews had in mind. Dice Jesús lo que tenían los discípulos en mente. Hey, sorry, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. No fui enviado sino a las ovejas perdidas del pueblo Israel. In other words, you're not supposed to be invited to God's table. You're on the no invited list. Estás en la lista de no invitados. But what does Jesus have in mind? What Jesus has in mind is not to exclude this woman. What Jesus has in mind is to find out what this woman has in mind. Lo que tiene Jesús en mente no es excluirla, sino encontrar lo que tiene en mente. And so he says something again that at first is a little shocking. It's the party line. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. No está bien quitarle ese pan a los hijos y echárselo a los perros. Again, a good Jew would have in mind yeah Jesus that's right the Jewish people said we're the children of God the Gentiles are the dogs los judíos son los hijos de Dios los gentiles los perros but then verse 27 the woman says yes Lord two powerful words si sí, Señor dice 
But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Pero hasta los perros comen las migajas que caen de la mesa de sus amos. And, and by her response, this woman is revealing what she's got in mind. What she has in mind is faith. What she has in mind is trusting in Jesus. What she has in mind is looking to him. Lo que ella tiene en mente es la fe en Jesús. And Jesus himself says it. Woman, great is your faith. Grande es tu fe, le dice Jesús. Your daughter is healed. Your request is granted. Que se cumpla lo que tú quieres. And this woman, this dog woman receives crumbs. From the Lord's table. Ella recibe migajas de la mesa del Señor. And by this miracle, Jesus is showing something about what God has in mind. Eso muestra lo que Dios tiene en mente. God's plan through Jesus' ministry, if you look at the Gospels, yes, was to begin with the Jewish people. Jesús comienza con los judíos, but the plan was never to stop there. The plan was always to go well beyond that point. El plan es siempre ir más allá del límite de los judíos. The plan is to reach out. And again, we get a sign of that, a symbol of that in the very next section where Jesus is with the multitudes and he feeds the 4,000 as he did the 5,000 earlier. Jesús alimenta los cuatro mil. He takes seven loaves of bread, a few fish. He blesses it, breaks it, and feeds 4,000 men plus women and children con unos siete panes y pescado. Da de comer a cuatro mil hombres, más mujeres y niños. It's a miracle. Who's at the table? ¿Quién está en la mesa? The children. These are all Jews that he feeds. El dado comer a los judíos. But look what happens afterwards. ¿Qué pasa después? The disciples go and they collect seven basketfuls of what? ¿De qué recogen siete canastas? Seven basketfuls of crumbs. They collect seven basketfuls of crumbs. Son siete canastas de migajas. And this is showing God's plan. This is what God has in mind. Bible scholars will tell you that seven baskets, seven represents a number of completion or a number of perfection. Siete es un número de la perfección. This is a sign pointing to God's plan in Jesus, which is to not only feed the children at the table, but Jesus has come to give himself and the crumbs. There will be more than enough, a perfect amount of crumbs for the whole world. Jesús se va a entregar para los judíos, pero hasta para todo el mundo. So through this miracle and of, the, of the woman and her daughter and the miracle of the 4,000, Jesus is giving us two signs. Son dos señales, el milagro de la mujer y la alimentación de los cuatro mil. And so it's pretty ironic that right after that in chapter 16, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, come to Jesus and what are they asking for? A sign. Los fariseos y saduceos y después quieren una señal. He's just given them two signs right there on earth. But they want a sign from the sky. They want a sign from heaven. Ellos quieren una señal del cielo. Matthew 16, 2, Jesus replies, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. 
al atardecer ustedes dicen que hará buen tiempo porque el cielo está rojizo. And in the morning, today will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. Por la mañana que habrá tempestad porque el cielo está nublado y amenazante. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Saben discernir el aspecto del cielo, pero no las señales de los tiempos. The Pharisees and Sadducees are looking for a physical sign or they know how to read the physical signs in the physical sky. They can predict weather. Saben leer las señales físicas del cielo físico. They know how to read those physical signs but they don't understand or see that the sign from the sky they're looking for, the sign from heaven that they want is standing right in front of them. Jesus is the bread of heaven who's come down from the sky. He is the one who comes to give life to the world. La señal que buscan está enfrente de ellos. Jesús es el maná, el pan del cielo que ha bajado por ellos. And so Jesus warns his disciples, don't get caught up in what these guys are doing. He warns them against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees, les advierta a sus discípulos en contra de la levadura de los saduceos y fariseos. And what we see is at first, the disciples are kind of on the same level. They're thinking physical here. They're thinking, oh, don't buy physical yeast for physical bread from those guys. Piensan en lo físico, de no comprar levadura física, de pan para pan físico. But again, Jesus is on another level. And slowly but surely, it begins to dawn on the disciples what Jesus has in mind. Jesús tiene otra cosa en mente. What Jesus has in mind is the yeast of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The human tradition, the word, the will, the ways of human beings... Don't let that get into your mind, he's saying. Don't let that infect you like yeast in dough. Don't let it expand in your heart, in your mind, where you're consumed with seeing things with human eyes and physical eyes. Es la levadura de la enseñanza de los fariseos que es de tradición humana que no infecte sus mentes como levadura en masa. You've got to have something else in mind. And then we come to chapter 16, verse 13. And this is what I think is the, the climax in these two chapters. Aquí, el punto cumbre. And, and I think it's a, a climax point in actually the whole Gospel of Matthew. It's examination time. It's tiempo de prueba. Jesus comes to the disciples. Who do people say the Son of Man is? ¿Quién dice la gente que es el Hijo del Hombre? Who, who do people say I am? What's on people's minds about me? ¿Qué piensan de mí? ¿Qué tienen en mente? And the disciples answer, well, some say that you are John the Baptist. Others think that you are Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Piensan que eres Juan el Bautista, Elías, Jeremías, uno de los profetas. But what about you? Jesus says, what do you have in mind? ¿Qué tienen ustedes en mente? And Peter, the representative of the group, stands up and says, You are the Messiah. You are the anointed, appointed king, the son of the living God. Eres el Mesías, el ungido rey, el hijo del Dios vivo. Jesus says, Blessed are you, Peter. Blessed are you, Simon. Bendito eres tú, Simón. Why? Because this 
was not revealed to you on a human level. This is not the word of any human being. This has been revealed to you from the mind of God. This comes from my Father in heaven. No fue revelado de la mente de ningún mortal, sino de mi Padre en el cielo. I'm telling you, Peter, your name's Peter. It means rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church so that the gates of hell will never be able to stand against it. Tú eres Pedro. Sobre esta piedra edificaré mi iglesia para que las compuertas del infierno no prevalezcan contra ella. And Jesus here is giving us the one condition, the one condition for being accepted at God's table, for being accepted in the house of God, the family of God. Esa es la única condición para ser aceptado a la mesa y la familia de Dios. And that one condition is to have in mind what God has in mind, to agree with what God says about Jesus, his son. Not just to agree mentally, but to agree with your whole entire being. It is to confess, which literally means to agree with that Jesus is the king, that Jesus is the one. Es estar de acuerdo con lo que Dios tiene en la mente, no solo con la mente, sino con toda la vida. It's faith in Christ to declare that and to live that, to turn away from human thinking, human tradition, to follow in the will and the word and the way of God, of Jesus. Es dejar la tradición humana para seguir a Jesús. And Jesus says, that's the rock I'll build my family on, my church, my congregation. Voy a edificar mi iglesia sobre esta piedra. The rock is not Peter. The rock is what God has in mind about Jesus. Jesus is the rock. He's the son of the living God. La piedra es lo que Dios tiene en mente de Jesús, que es el hijo del Dios vivo. You want proof of that, that Peter's not the rock? ¿Quieren prueba? Go just a few verses later. Jesus is starting to talk about his suffering, his death, his resurrection. Habla Jesús de su sufrimiento, su muerte, su resurrección. And Peter takes him aside and says, No way, Lord, that's not my plan. That's not what's going to happen. That's not what I have in mind. No, que va, Señor, eso no va a pasar nunca, dice Pedro. Ese no es mi plan. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Fuera de mí, Satanás, dice. You do not have in mind the things of God but merely the concerns of human beings. Alejate de mí, Satanás, quieres, dice, no tienes en mente, no piensas en las cosas de Dios, sino en las de los hombres. And then he calls Peter the rock, get this, three verses later he calls Peter the rock a stumbling block. Lo llama una piedra de tropiezo aquí. And so here we find what I think is one of the issues that we need to look at as we look at this whole section of Scripture. What does this have to do with you and me? ¿Qué tiene que ver esto con nosotros? Peter is distracted by the word and the will and the way of human wisdom. He's distracted from who Jesus really is. Está distraído Pedro de la palabra y la voluntad humana, de la sabiduría humana. How easy that is for you and me. 
we dare not throw stones at Peter because this is where we live. Aquí vivimos nosotros. If Satan can't get us to reject Jesus, he will certainly work to get us to be distracted from him. Si Satanás no nos puede hacer rechazar a Jesús, nos va a distraer de él. Let me ask you a question. What are the distractions in your life that keep you from having Jesus Christ in mind? ¿Qué son las distracciones que te previenen de tener a Jesús en tu mente? There's a lot of them. There's a, a well-known book that some of you may have even read, published years ago, called The Screwtape Letters. Hay un libro, Cartas del Diablo a su Sobrino. It's a fictional account of, of a senior demon writing a junior demon about how to deceive a human being. Es un demonio mayor que escribe a uno menor cómo engañar a un ser humano. And there's a part in this book where, where the senior demon is writing, and he, and he says, basically, here's the deal. You don't have to put evil thoughts in that person's mind. No tienes que poner pensamientos malvados en su mente, dice el demonio el uno al otro. You don't have to do that. They're already there. Jesus said, out of the heart come the evil thoughts. You don't have to put evil thoughts in there. No metas pensamientos malvados. All you have to do is keep thoughts of God out. Keep them from having God in mind. Que se alejen de los pensamientos de Dios. Make him waste time. Not only in conversations he likes with people he enjoys, but make him waste time in conversations he doesn't like with people he doesn't care for anything. Distraelo con conversaciones con personas que le gustan y no le gustan. Get him to do nothing for long, long periods of time, que no haga nada durante mucho tiempo, you know, like binge-watching your favorite series while you scroll through the phone and do this thing for hours on end. Distraction. La distracción. What's distracting you and me from having Jesus Christ in mind? ¿Qué nos distrae de tener a Jesús en la mente? Oh, I've got to do that. That's so important. Oh, that's a priority. Jesus will wait. Esto prioritario, el otro, hay que hacerlo. Everybody knows if you're going to be a good person, you've got to do that. Here's a thought or an idea I came across recently. Just a little way to fight that. Simple. You can try it or not. Scripture before phone. La Biblia antes que el teléfono. What I mean by that? I mean that every morning when you wake up, I don't know about you, phone goes off, the alarm goes off. Oh, who emailed me? What's going on in the news? What's happening in the world? What does this guy think about it? We're concerned about human things. Estamos metiéndonos en nuestros teléfonos cuando la alarma suene. Ah, ¿qué pasa? ¿Qué dice la noticia? ¿Qué piensa ese hombre sobre esta cosa? What if in the morning you go to God's word first before you look at anything in your phone? 
Read what God has to say. What does God have in mind? La idea es leer la Biblia, decidir lo que Dios tiene en mente before you go find out what everybody else has in their minds. Antes de ver lo humano. With Jesus, I think we need to be able to say, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but you have in mind the things of human beings. Fuera de mí, Satanás, no tienes en mente las cosas de Dios, solo las cosas de los hombres. And that is exactly why we come here. This is why we come to the Lord's Supper. Por eso venimos a la Santa Cena. <clears throat> I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Primera de Corintios capítulo 11. Verse 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Recibí del Señor lo mismo que les transmití a ustedes. Paul's saying here, this is a tradition. This is something I'm passing on. Es una tradición, algo que transmito. But it's not a human tradition. It is a godly tradition because it comes from Jesus. Es una tradición no humana, sino de Jesús. This is what Jesus has given to me to give to you. Here's the custom. Here's the tradition. Aquí la tradición. <clears throat> The night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. La noche en que fue traicionado, Jesús tomó el pan, dando gracias, dijo, Este pan es mi cuerpo, que por ustedes es partido. Hagan esto cada vez en memoria de mí. Do this with me in mind. Hagan esto conmigo en la mente. After the same manner, after they had eaten supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. También tomó de la copa, diciendo, esta copa es el nuevo pacto, mi sangre, cada vez que beban de ella, háganlo en memoria de mí. Do this with me in mind. Que me tengan presentes en la mente. See, what we have here in the Lord's Supper what we have are crumbs from God's table. Tenemos aquí migajas en la mesa de Dios. Just a few pieces of bread, a few drops of juice. También tenemos unas gotitas de jugo. Are you looking for a sign from God? Here's the sign. Aquí la señal de Dios. This is the sign from heaven that Jesus Christ gave his body and his blood upon the cross to pay for our sins. He gave his life and he rose again from the dead with you and me in mind. Jesús dio su vida en la cruz, su cuerpo, su sangre, como sacrificio con nosotros en la mente. 
And the sign that God looks for from us, the response, is to have Him in mind with all of our being. La respuesta es tenerlo en mente. At the end of Matthew 16, Jesus says this. Al fin de Mateo, dice Jesús, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, not think of himself, take up his cross and follow me. El que quiere ser mi discípulo tiene que negarse mismo, tomar su cruz y seguirme. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. El que quiere uh, salvar su vida la perderá. If you want to always live your life with yourself in mind, with your own needs and your own desires and your own thing, it's the surest way to destruction. Si vives contigo en la mente siempre es la destrucción. But if you're willing to give up your life, for me you're going to save it si entregas tu vida por mí la salvarás Jesus gave his life on the cross with us in mind he asks us to give up our lives with him in mind el dio su vida con nosotros en mente nos pide entregar nuestra vida por él con él en mente and so the Lord's Supper really is a tradition it's an act of having Jesus in mind. Este es un acto de tener a Jesús presente. And what we have in mind is the past. We have in mind that Jesus gave his life for us. He died on the cross for our sins. He's paid the price completely. Él murió en lo pasado por nuestros pecados. But we also are to have in mind the present. He is here. He is with us now. He is alive. He is real. Él está con nosotros en el presente. Have that in mind. Don't forget that. And then have in mind the future of what he's calling you and me to. The blessed future that's awaiting us as the church in the kingdom of God, tengan en mente también el futuro que nos espera en el reino de Dios. Have this in mind and live accordingly. So I want to bring us to a point of prayer and I want to say if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you are determined to let go, let go of sin, let go of what you would call your own efforts to live, and to embrace Jesus Christ, he has you in mind to be invited to this table. Si estás dispuesto a dejar el pecado y abrazar a Jesús, te tiene en mente para ser imitado esta mesa. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord Jesus Christ, we lift up our hearts to you in this moment. We lift up our thoughts. We lift up our our entire being, levantamos nuestro ser, Señor, nuestros pensamientos, nuestro corazón. And we praise you for this great gift that you have given us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You have come in the name of the Lord Jesus to be our Savior, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Bendito el que vino en el nombre del Señor. Has venido para ser el sacrificio perfecto de nuestros pecados. And we humbly and gratefully receive the gift of what you have given. Recibimos este regalo tuyo. We don't deserve it, but oh, how we need what you give. No lo merecemos, pero sí lo necesitamos. 
Lord Jesus, come, that the bread that we break and the cup that we bless may be to us the communion, the participation in your spirit, in the body and blood of Christ. Que este pan que partimos y la copa que, que tomamos sea una participación en el cuerpo y la sangre de Cristo. Lord, we pray that, that we would be gathered as your church from the ends of the earth, that this would be a foretaste of that feast of love that we're going to participate in someday when your kingdom fully comes. Que esto sea una probadita de esa, esa cena del amor en la cual vamos a participar cuando el reino venga en su plenitud. Christ, you have died. Christ, you have risen. Christ, you are coming again. Cristo has muerto, resucitado y vas a venir otra vez. We gratefully receive these gifts and we pray that we may be nourished for eternal life, abundant life beginning now and continuing forever. Que podamos ser alimentados hacia la vida eterna, a vida abundante ahora y para siempre. We gratefully receive what you give and we pray in the name of Above all names, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, oramos en el nombre de Jesús, nuestro Señor y Salvador, and all God's people together say, Amen. I'm going to invite our elders, our serving elders forward at this point, and I want to give you some instructions, unas instrucciones. Again, this is a meal for those who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, who are in agreement with what God says about Jesus and determined to turn away from an old life and to follow Christ into new life. Esta cena es para los que han confesado Jesucristo como el Señor y están determinados a dejar una vida anterior para seguirlo en una nueva vida. If you're not sure where you are in that journey, if you're still figuring that out, we do not want to push you into something you're not ready for We invite you to observe. We invite you to learn and to grow and to meditate and to pray. Si no estás listo para este paso, no queremos obligarles, pero que mediten esto. But if you are, if you are prepared and you know that, that you have Christ in mind and He has you in mind, we invite you to come with joy. The elders will serve you. We invite you to go back to your seats and spend some time in reflection and prayer and then we will all eat together. Antes pueden pasar y uh, después de tomar el pan y la copa pueden regresar a sus sillones, sus sillones sin comer o, o beber y después vamos a participar juntos. All things are ready. Come as the Lord leads you.